nothing you say fits in. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) welcome back to the greatest show on earth about nonsense. I am Chris Cass from Mount Philomena Works, joined by my co-host, Roy the Psychopath, ugly son of a bitch, Scott. Today we have a very special guest with us. It is Mr. Coy Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. If you are unfamiliar with Baker Forge and Tool, stop what you're doing right now. Head on over to Instagram. Follow them on Instagram. Go to their website, see what they got for sale. They do weekly drops. Koi and his boys are professional. Would you what would you call yourself? Steel makers? We call ourselves laminated steel manufacturers. There you go. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all of the mize. The sand mize, the copper mize, the bronze mize, whatever my you are interested in. Head on yep. over <laughs> to Baker. Is it BakerForgeandTool.com? Uh it's just BakerForge.com. Baker Forge. That's easier, actually. Bakerforge.com. Coy, I'm assuming for those people who don't know who you are or what you do or what your company does, you probably – we're not going to go into a giant origin story. Oh. Uh-huh. What? You want to tell an origin story? <laughs> no, actually, have, I don't. <laughs> here, I'm going to guess your origin story. You were like 14 years old. You built the forge in your dad's backyard out of brick. You started using a trailer Her- hitch or a piece of steel as an anvil. And a hair dryer. Yep. <laughs> shaking you're, his head. Yes. <laughs> you're pretty exactly. much dead on. Exactly. Dead um, on. But you're you're not you're not that old of a fella. Nope. For... I'm 29. Oh. No. Are you serious? Wild. Yep. I'll be 30 this later this year. But yeah, young you're and rocking and rolling over there. And uh, explain a little bit about um, what you do there. What you do at, at Baker Forge and Tool. So we specialize in laminated steels with copper. Um, so we take Damascus, and using the, a traditional sand mai technique, we uh, forge weld it with copper, bronze, any pretty cool materials. Are we you can even find. allowed to say sand mai? Yeah. Did you ever get that email from the guy that said he originated the sand mai name and all this, that, and the other? No. What? Someone said that. Yeah, there's actually a guy that like, what do you do? Register or trademark the name? He did trademark the name. Now there's. Yeah. An entirely separate guy who I did hear from who trademarked the name Kumai. What? Um, back- a bunch of fucking nerds. <laughs> well, I think they're all getting carried away. They want their their whatever. Yeah. The way they laminate steel, they want to be known for it. And a lot of times guys that do that, they fall to the wayside because they're doing everything uninteresting anyway. Well, you know what's funny is that company no longer exists. Exactly. Shocker. There you go. Shocker. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they actually sent Matt and Ilya like a cease and assist thing on one of their uh, knife videos they put up because they were like, we coined that name and you need to give us credit, yada, yada, yada. And we were like, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. It's <laughs> literally yeah. trying to trademark a word that is just a generalization of what you're doing to create this type of steel. Right. And so we've come up with a lot of different names and uh-huh. it's actually kind of confusing to a lot of people who aren't, you know, following us closely and are paying attention to all the names. It's hard to keep track of them all, but we don't trademark any of that shit. Yeah. You know? We just let people call it whatever they want. They, I mean, I've seen makers making steel and they use our terms, but it's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. It looks like our stuff. Whatever. Go for it. I don't care. So I'm an idiot when it comes to this. So hit me with some of your names. Okay. So we've got. Like uh, we, our copper mai is a copper Damascus jacket. 
Gotcha. And so bronze my would be a bronze Damascus over a, <laughs> so as a jacket. Basically, you just take whatever the material is, put that name in front, and put my after it. Well, no. Here's a really weird one. Okay. Sichimai, okay. which is Japanese for seven layer. And so that would be a wrought iron, Damascus, copper shim, core, and then repeat on the other side. Ceviche mai? Like some fucking ceviche? Yeah. Close, but not really. Sichimai. Chris doesn't know what ceviche is. It doesn't matter. It's an abbreviation for something. Anyway, there is one name I want to ask you about that I've actually personally been asked about. Why the name Gator Piss? There's a story. Well, it's actually not... So you're launching, for, for those of you that don't know what Gator Piss is, Koi came up with this solution to etch uh, your different blades and your steels and everything to bring out a amazing chatoyance in the Damascus, and it's just a great, great product, but you have the name Gator Piss. Yep, yep, okay. Origin story. I know you didn't uh, want to hear one, but here we go. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so we... We knew we needed to develop a, an etchant because one of the big things with our customers is we would get asked all the time about how do, how do I etch? Yes. You know, a lot of times, a lot of beginner makers. Mm-hmm. And it got really tiring typing that all out in an email 12 times a day or right. a DM on Instagram. So right. we thought, you know what? We need to put together an etch because everybody uses something different in the industry. Yeah. Let's make a standardized one that works really, really well, easy to use, pre-mixed so the, the buyer can just buy a bottle and stick a knife right in it. And you Perfect. came up with this. Uh, so this was a collaborative effort between a couple of other makers as far okay. as the actual ingredients in the mix. Okay. In the name, we actually bought from another maker who was using the name Gator Piss for his etchant because it looked <laughs> like piss. That was the was color. It, yeah. Was it Wayne? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not going to say who called you. Somebody was like, man, I'd really love to. It's one of those fairly well-known makers was like, I'd love to try that, but I would just hate to tell anybody I'm using Gator Piss. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, like, it was a risk. It's a wild name, Gator Piss. It, it, it looks like Mountain Dew. I'm, I'm, looking, at your, I'm looking at your yeah. little video on Instagram now. Yep. So that one, was unfamiliar. One question it. about that that I have, does that darken over time like Ferric, or does it stay that clearish piss color? Of the actual solution? Yeah, yeah. As you use it, you'll wear it out, and it will but change does it, colors. Does it get like black though, like Ferric does, where you can't even see the blade? Because that's one of the things. I mean, no. I'm not making Damascus every day, nor do I really, honestly, really care about it. But the uh, thing that strikes me as really cool is a lot of the Ferrics and the acids that people are etching with. You can't even see what the blade is doing in it, right? Until mm-hmm. you pull it out with yours. Like if you put it in a glass seat, you can literally watch it do its thing. It's kind of wild. Right, and that's the magic of the ingredients, really. So it is a ferric-based acid. But is this just a- Mountain Dew, Koi? Are you literally just repackaging Mountain Dew? <laughs> no. <laughs> for anybody listening. Out Mountain Dew <laughs> that is not happening. Uh, but it does leave a really clear acid. And so, or not clear, but a really transparent acid. And so yeah. part of the, you know, when people are grinding our steel, the copper shows up right away. Unlike uh-huh. Damascus, where you have to etch it to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see that copper as you start grinding. And it's kind of addictive to watch. I mean, you're grinding right. a blade. But you can apply that same process to etching. You want to see it start popping. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. wants that, like, instant gratification kind of thing. 
And it's great for Instagram reels. People it is. up. It sure. Is. Yeah. Time lapses, time lapses. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So you're doing, I'm assuming you're doing this stuff in batches. It looks like from what I can assume, cause you did one big pre-sale batch. We did a pre-sale just to figure out what the market interest was going to be. Um, figure out how much we should make originally to start. Okay. And so we did a pre-sale. Um, I capped it at 250 gallons that we sold in under 12 hours. So That's I was just crazy. like, Ooh, let's stop there. Cause I don't know how yeah. much I can make. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And you're, and you're packaging everything in house. You're not like shipping this to a warehouse or something, but you're like everything you and all your guys are just literally filling up jugs and packaging and shipping and everything. Yep. Every day or not every day, but yeah, we will take about once a month. We'll take an entire day. We'll close off all the forges. We'll turn uh-huh. everything off, clean it all real well. Um, and we'll run a batch of gator piss and fill about 300 bottles worth. And that'll last us a couple of weeks normally. So, so what's the shelf life when somebody buys this stuff? If you're not using it, it's got uh, an indefinite shelf life. It doesn't ah, matter. It'll last for a long, long time. It's not going to self-degrade. Okay, so um, if we're using it every day, literally? If, if a full-time maker's using it, he's going to get about four to six months out of it. Damn, that's still so, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it also depends on what you're etching in it. If you're etching dirty steel and you're contaminating the acid, it, that timeline will go down and get shorter. Right, yeah. So uh, if you etch a lot of copper heavy stuff all the time, you're going to eventually start depositing little bits of copper into the acid. Uh, so, so like a normal size knife, maybe let's just say a chef knife because yeah. whatever. Like how many knives do you think an average person can etch? Oh, hundreds. Dang. That's cool. So yeah. how much yeah. is it? You sell this by the gallon? Mm-hmm. By the gallon on the website, $49.99. Shazam! To the bank, baby. That's, That's it. Right. So you're, are you getting ready to do another run? I, I thought you said something to me last time I was down there. You're going to do another run sooner. We did run uh, like a week and a half ago, but I oh, messed maybe up. Maybe that's the run I was talking about then. Yeah, we're so we're trying to outsource that part of it. So there's there's chem, uh, chemical companies out there who can probably mix this for us and just send it to us in 55 gallon drums uh-huh. because it's it's hard to source everything and then trying to get the guys to mix it all and take a whole day off of steel production. Yeah, it's a drag. And so we'll still do the distribution, but right. I'm trying to line up a company that can do all the mixing for us. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, because I've talked about you a bunch, uh, one, because I think what you're doing at your shop is fascinating because I've been there, I've seen it from a, uh, not only from a business standpoint, but from a maker standpoint, from you being so young and you're forming this. I think it's crazy what you're doing, honestly. You're wild. Thank you. you're, t- you're taking a lot of super big risks, not just financially. I'm just talking about you have five. How many employees do you have there? Is it five? Uh, so the whole company, there's 11, but there's only. So you're, you're responsible for 11 different people's families and stuff. That's yes. the crazy Jeez. part. Like, That's I tried tough. having one or two guys here, and it, like, I couldn't sleep at night. Like, it's <laughs> one thing, it's one thing to try and figure out how you're going to be financially stable and all that, but you, you yourself and your family, but then you have 11 other people that are relying on your, oh, yeah. your business to keep Jeez them going. Louise. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, um, it's, it's a lot, but that's my passion lives in, uh, lies in the business development side of things. Ah, um, okay. and so it's not the first company that we, that I've, uh, started and built. So that is what I'm most interested in is the, business growth and development. That's what, you know, I drool over. 
And so I love steel as well. And I, you know, is that why all the guys, when I come there, they say you just sit in the office all day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. He'll never oh, yeah. come out here. He just sits in the office all day. We're the ones working. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I spend most of my time in the office, just on the phone, business, business stuff, you know, and that's, what's critical. It's gotta, it's gotta happen on some Obviously. level. Yeah. Yeah. When I started the business, I was forging, uh, you know, day and night out of my one car garage. Uh-huh. So I started forging, but I did not, I'm not there now. That's, that's not what I do anymore. Yeah. All right. So, so walk me through what that transition looks like. Cause we, we talk about this stuff or allude to this stuff pretty frequently where it's a one person maker running your own business and you're like, you're strapped for time because there are so many opportunities and you're only one person. There's only so many hours. So when do you make the decision or how do you go about making the decision to bring someone on and then someone else on? And then now over the course of, I don't know how many, how many years now you have yeah, 11 people. You've only been in business since 2019 or something, right? Correct. With Baker Forge? Uh, that's when we started uh, selling billets and actually kind of named the company and got a website uh-huh. and all that. Um, it was 2019, late, late 2019. Uh-huh. So to answer your question, Roy, uh, it's different for everybody, in my opinion. Um, it gets easier the more once you start to really get more and more employees. It's easier to keep adding to that. But the start out is definitely the hardest part. You go from just working by yourself. Right making this amount and you're finally like, okay, sweet. I'm making enough money to live on fine. Right. With this craft. Yep. Right. And where do you go from there? But you know, that's, that's, that's the money question. So you have to have the demand first, because if you're going to bring in an employee, first off, a lot of people look at an employee as a, uh, as a liability and an expense, but in my mind, it's the wrong way to approach an employee. An employee is an asset. Um, Right off the get-go, if you're hiring the right guy, he's going to make more for the company in the first week he's there than he will cost you for the right guy if you're doing the right hire. And so it's all about finding the right people for one because you can't just go hire them Joe Schmo off the street to do something specialized. You know what? I've been looking for Joe Schmo a long time. I don't know (laughs) if that motherfucker exists. (laughs) He doesn't. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have like a concrete answer for you, honestly. It's it's different for everybody. Um, yeah, but like like let's just let's just dial into you. Like, yeah, okay. tell me what that story. looked like. Yeah, yeah. How did how did it work out for you? So hiring for me, that first person. Well, my wife got pregnant, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I needed to figure out something to do. No, so all right, a little little history, right? when I was starting Baker Forge in my garage at the time I was running a full-time paint company, a paint and drywall in our local town. Okay. And so that was my day job. And then nights and weekends I was doing forging. And at first it was just a hobby. Started catching on, on Instagram. We started to get some traction. People were asking for billets more and more and more. And the demand got higher than I could do by myself. And so my brother joined me on the weekends, unpaid, just hanging out. Yep. A couple of beers making steel. Um, and then once that developed further to where the, just the demand, I could not keep up with it. And I turned to my wife and my dad. My dad was a business partner in the old company. And I said, you know what? This might could be something. Yeah. Uh, there's a demand here in the market. People are eating it up. And I think if we get the right people in place. Uh, this could be something really big. And so I continued working part-time with the paint company. And I just scaled back my day yeah. job. Uh-huh. And started just doing part time, part time. Well, it was more like full time, full time. Kind of phasing <laughs> out of the phasing out of the paint and drywall. Yeah, phasing out. Now, 
I was able to do that because I was, you know, managing and operating the company. I wasn't painting every day. I right. was swinging a brush. And so I could schedule meetings with clients and stuff early in the morning and leave myself time to start at the forge at like three in the afternoon, you know? Okay. And so started doing that, decided, you know what, I'm going to need a new, a new shop. I'm outgrowing it. I'm way too, way too big for where I'm in now. And uh, a local knife maker actually was also looking for a space at the same time. He and I've been buddies for a long time. Uh, his name's Josh Morgan, primitive woodsman knives. And he and I decided to look for a space together because at the time I couldn't afford a space that I need enough. Right. Yeah. And so I, he and I just got together and we found a spot and we split the rent and we ended up finding a place that was way too big for us to start, but we could afford it together. Gotcha. We knew, we knew both of us were going to grow some little did I know how much I was going to grow. Uh, Is this the small. spot you're at now? Yeah. That's the spot oh, right I was going to say now you're, now you're needing something a lot larger. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's, yeah, it's in the works. It'll it'll be a while, but yeah, it's in the works. Um, so does the knife maker still still have part of the building, or did you buy him out, does. or did he, he? Okay. Yeah, so we didn't buy the building. We're, we're still right, just right, leasing yeah. it. I mean, like um, like buy out his lease and like, dude, yo, I need I need your space. <laughs> no, that hasn't happened. Um, he is a great guy. Uh, he helps us with stuff all the time. We help him. We cool. kind of That's he's really got cool. some tools we use. Yeah. So I mean, it's been a great relationship uh, with Josh. And he, he currently has a part of the space in there um, on one end, kind of. He's not in our way. We're not in his way. It, it works really, really well. Yeah. Um, one might call him, that a symbiotic relationship, but Chris doesn't I've understand been there, that. I've been, to his, I've been to your place, and I've seen a, lo- a ton of blacksmith shops all over the country, like actually working professionally blacksmith shops. And for the space you guys have, you really make that place work. So I Dallas mean, in on equipment then for what Chris is talking he about. He has weight. He has 10 pounds of shit and a one pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it's, luckily no, it, all of his people that work for him are like your size, boy. They're all, fuck they're all tiny. They're all tiny humans. So there's fuck like no space. There's no <laughs> yeah. space issues with them. Coy's well, the biggest guy that works there. <laughs> and I'm not very tall. It's just sideways. Yeah. So you're a big uh, boy. <laughs> not gonna lie you're a big boy you got a big beard too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean um when i first we first moved in of course it was a massive empty space and i had tools that fit in one corner that's all i had um my brother would still come on the weekends to help from time to time but i then once i started really fitting into the space realized i needed a new uh, kind of a part-time help who's going to be a regular part-timer that i would pay right and so what i found was i found a local college guy Cause we're in a college town. Um, mm-hmm. I found a college kid who would work for not a lot of money when he wasn't in classes, just making some extra stuff. He was interested in the craft sure, and worked out perfect. He was my extra hand. Um, you know, this isn't a guy I was paying benefits to and what cost me an arm and a leg and salary or anything. Um, and we developed a great friendship. He was a lot of help at the get go. He does not work for me anymore, but that's where we started a part-time college guy. And then okay. it just kind of grew from there, um, adding in guys. And you know what's funny is this line of work seems to just attract people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm thinking back, all the guys who are forging and actually blacksmiths in the shop, I don't think I reached out to any of them. They all reached out to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah. And there's obviously been people who reached out that I, I didn't hire for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but – 
they all came to me and all of them have worked out wonderfully. I haven't fired a single person. I think the hard part is finding somebody uh, that wants to do it long term because you said this craft does attract all sorts of people, which it does. Like I get the DMs weekly Mm -hmm. saying like, oh, I'd love to come work for you. It's like you'd love to come work for me because you see what you see in this little black box. I'm like, you don't see the the dirty behind the scenes crap. You know, it's like trying to find somebody long term that just doesn't think it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. for, for a month or so, it's like trying to find somebody that knows you got to work hard. That's the hard part. That's the really hard part. It's yes. trying to find like when I started doing I was telling uh, my buddy Tetsa the other day about the when I got hired on to do body work, I was three dollars an hour is what I got paid. And I thought that was awesome at the time because it was piece rate. So it wasn't based on a 40 hour work week. It would be based mm. on whatever you, you know, the amount of labor hours you turn that week or whatever. So we could do a hundred hours. I would get $3 an hour and I was making 300 bucks at 15, 16 years old. And I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Those kinds of, those kinds of kids don't really exist anymore. No, like they're getting harder and harder to find somebody that just has a genuine interest uh, and, and wants to just not, not to find somebody that thinks it's cool. Trying to find somebody that actually wants to work is the hard part. Right. And their background will tell you a lot on that. I, all of the guys who worked there had a background in this to some degree, whether right. or not they did it personally for a number of years or mm-hmm. somebody like Cole. Chris, you know who Cole is. Yeah, Cole's awesome. He's the he's, dude. The world yeah. needs a hundred Coles. <laughs> Hands down. He's awesome. He's awesome. He he's, literally looks like this vagabond, like you'd find him on a train somewhere out in like <laughs> Wyoming, like asking for a cigarette. And it's just yep. like. The guy's a freaking genius, and he works. Yes. He's like a yep. hard worker, and he's yes. not scared to like just d- dive in. Those are the kinds of guys that we need anymore. It- it's just like, yeah, those guys are just falling to the wayside, man. They're just disappearing. Yep. Like the people that can just dig into something and not – because I think confidence in everything we do is a big part of it. Like if you go into a project or like you, you coming up with Gator Piss with the other makers, like if you guys – if there's any doubt in your mind, you're just like defeated before you even start. And I think a lot right. of these guys now, they're like, oh, I don't know if I, yeah. I don't know how you do that. It's like, well, I don't know how I do it either, but because I've had right. those Some... guys come here, like they'll start working. They're like, I can't figure this out. And I'm like, well, what do you think I'm going to do if I walk over there? I'm going to try and figure it out. You just got to <laughs> gotta go. It's like, I don't know. I don't have some magic knowledge that you, you don't have. It's like, I'm just going to spend the extra time. And that's a lot of what, uh, the guy Cole reminds me of, but like when we were, we worked on your press for like, I don't know, it was like a half hour or something, but both of us had kind of like had this thing about us. Like, we don't know what the fuck we're looking at, but we're going to figure it out. You know, right. it's like that's, the, that's, those are the kinds of guys that are just like disappearing, man. For sure. And yeah. I, all the guys I hire for the forge, I tell them at the beginning, Hey, you're going to have a two week trial period. Right. And I'm going to pay you this much for the trial period per yeah. hour at the end of two weeks. If you say, it's too much. I'm out. No hard feelings. You're done. Yeah. If I don't like what I see, you're also out. And yeah. those two weeks, I mean, it's, you know, they're going to see everything. They're going to be a part of every process. And, uh, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. You can get out. But because it's hard, it's hard. It's hot summertime. Yeah. Forget that. It's, it's a different How breed that can do that, that. Fucking beard in that weather, dude, that would drive me crazy. Yeah, I got used to it. It's I got so used to fucking it. hot. Dude, I don't wear I don't wear underwear whenever it's hot out. 
You're also a disgusting human being, though, and you I mean, sweat out of fair. every pore in your body. That's fair, but still, like, you don't need to add 10 pounds of fucking facial hair on top of it. Look, for those of you who have never seen Koi, Koi looks like he should be on the stage with the Grateful Dead at Woodstock back in the 70s. <laughs> like, you put a pair of sunglasses on Koi, and he's like Jerry Garcia's younger brother, but he's oh only 20 Look at him! Look at him! Straight out of ZZ Top. But, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, going back to the what you do at your shop and all that, you, a lot of your clients um, are obviously knife makers now. But you were also you gave me a little bit of insight. I think you said something about a golf club company reached out mm-hmm. to you, and you were doing golf club steel. What are some of the other types of um, not necessarily just knife makers stuff? What, what what are some other people that were reaching out to you for the types of steel you guys make? So there's been a handful over the over the years, but obviously, yeah, not knife makers. Number one, um, second off would be uh, tattoo machine guns, mm. the plates oh, for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Roy, you might know uh, Aaron Kane out of California. Apparently, I, you know, I don't a, follow up on a bunch of that stuff. I really don't. Okay. He's a pretty famous uh, tattoo gun artist. Apparently, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I know. I do know that they hate when they, people call them tattoo guns. <laughs> oh really? What they, oh, machines. What are they Tattoo called? Machines. machines. I, I'm yeah. just giving you shit, but like, yeah. <laughs> that's what they say, though, right? Machines yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, tattoo machines. I don't anyway, know why. Whatever. I don't fucking know. I call it. So, so guns. he he ordered some steel from you. He orders from us all the time. Oh, he all the time. So um, there's a big industry of custom made tattoo machines, like very fucking high end. So, mm. like, we collect weird stuff. Whenever I go to my tattoo guy, he's got a fucking snap on tool chest. Like, filled like, with like bad and he just pull, pulls him out and he's like you know just showing off his freaking different machines and then he like the bottom drawer he's like this is the rare stuff <laughs> and i'm like what what are you talking about like yeah wild. it's it's serious people collect them well that but, explains why i mean aaron always wants the whatever's the most rare and exclusive that he can get his hands on from us yeah um, so are you selling him uh like raw billets or are they already yeah. they're already done they're raw bars he so car he, he carves everything. them yeah. Oh, okay. He Dremel carves them or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a couple of other guys. There's some guys in Europe making tattoo machines. Machines. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's. I mean, I don't know how big that industry gets with our. We'll get with our machine or our steel. Steel. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's been something that's been mixed in over the sure, last couple yeah. of years. Um, another one would be the golf clubs. We had uh, not the whole golf club, just the fix yeah, just, inserts. Just- Oh, okay. Yeah, because if, if they did the whole club, I mean, we'd have to make a giant-ass block. They would have to machine most of it away. Dude, yeah, um, you might have to get somebody to do that, make a block and machine like a driver or something. That mm. might be like a whole other market, dude, where these people don't even know they can get like Damascus. But I guess that would be like super heavy though, right? Yeah, Compared, so – Because our dri- – like you said, drivers are mostly like some sort of hardwood with the – and then they'd put a face on that, right? I don't know enough about golf. Yeah, I mean, not golf. <laughs> so you were making the face plates for drivers or, or golf clubs in general? Yeah. Well, again, we were just we. He would order a bulk of volume of it, and we would just roll it out to the dimension he wanted, and then they would make the plates. Um, we don't do any finished products here. It's just raw material. Dude, what if they were selling your your billets like done for like ridiculous amounts of money, and you didn't even know? I feel that'd like I see it somewhere. That'd be kind of wild, right? Well, where did they go? Was it a company? Was it just a personal guy? What was it? No, it was a company. Um, oh, NCW 
commercial. Uh, it was a weird name that did not yeah, tie itself pro- to it's the. Probably the largest uh, golf club supplier in Dubai or something, <laughs> and they only they only sell to like millionaires. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they went to Florida, but they could each have gone elsewhere. Their, each one of their golf clubs is like 1.2 million or something. Like they were expensive. The ones I had seen where they had our material in it. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of other knickknacks on a golf club yeah, or yeah. whatever. But uh, just had our faceplate with a teeny tiny amount of steel, yeah. and it was like a three thousand dollar golf club. Or what? what? Like, and I was go. like, "What? Who? Who's Meanwhile, hitting guys a are ball? spending months on uh, knives that they can't get three grand for a knife." <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. So what you said is fascinating to me, and you just like said it very dismissively. Like we don't make any final products here. That is fucking genius and perfect, and I don't think people really appreciate how uh, amazing that actually is. Because mm. as makers, business owners, whatever, we we always make the final product, right? And it's mm. that it's the final freaking like the final touches, the final whatever that takes so much time. It takes so much money. It, you have to have the best of the best materials, and you're just cranking out a blank, and you're like. That's good. Put it in a box. You don't have to finish it. You don't. You're not. You're not etching it or anything. You're like, Nothing. I know. I know this is a banger. Cut it. Ship it. Fucking money in the bank. I, right. Dude, everyone would love to be in that position. If I could, <laughs> if I could sell an axe that was like fifty percent done. Here, fuck off. Finish it yourself. Well, I mean, technically, you know? technically, fuck all <laughs> fucking asshole. Technically, they're all like fifty to seventy-five percent done. <laughs> what, you um, what you get? What I'm saying here? I right? do. Yeah, and you know, when we started into this, what clicked in my head was the fact that the knife maker community was growing exponentially at the time. Mm-hmm. Force and Fire was an all-time high, and the knife makers was popping up everywhere. Yep. What that created was a lot of knives on the market, and it did not grow a buying market. And so. You have a whole bunch of makers competing to sell a knife to a customer. What's the best way to help set yourself apart in the industry? Oh, use something that's never been seen before on a knife or rarely at the time. And that would be our steel. So we supplied something to the maker community that they said, oh, I can take that and I can make something that will look way better than everybody else. And it allow me to sell knives. Right. And that's how that kind of started. Everybody ramped up. We were doing drops. We would drop a batch of billets, and they would be gone in about six to seven minutes on the website. Jeez Louise. Because so, everybody wanted that next new hot pattern that we had out because they wanted to stand out from everybody else. Yeah. So not to go into like super deep dive and origin story, though, but whenever you got started, was your primary goal to make these billets, or were you taking these billets to make knives or make a final product, and then you just saw a demand for People or you just saw people interested in the billet, the making process, and you're like, "Fuck the knife! I'm just going to stick to the steel." That's exactly I'll, I'll, what happened. Yeah, all right, cool. Because yeah. I I started by making knives. I mean, I was doing that long before Forged and Fire, though. And I, like you. we said earlier, I hated the nitpicky final detail hand sand bullshit. Yeah, I love the forging of it and the making the materials, particularly Damascus. Uh, before I was doing the copper stuff, we just made Damascus. I spent some time with um, Jason Knight learning how to make Sanmai and mosaics and stuff. And um, that's where the passion for the forging came from. And when I was just posting the billets that I would make on Instagram, not for sale, just to show people, mm-hmm. I get a DM. Oh, somebody was calling me. Sorry. Uh, I get a DM from somebody and they say, hey, can you make me one? And I'd be like, I guess so. 
Why yeah. not? I'll replicate it and I'll make it for you. Yeah. Um, and that's how that kicked off. So I think what you're not talking about though, is the kind of like the research and development part of what you do, because I've been in your office and you have this 3d printer set up and you're trying to come up with different mosaics and stuff. And I think you and the guy from, uh, was it flying shark knives? I think you, you showed me a pattern you guys did, mm-hmm. but you're, What's unique about what you're doing as opposed to what everybody else is doing is you're figuring you figured out how to connect all these dissimilar metals, which I've seen people try to do and fail miserably at. Mm-hmm. But somehow in your mountain shop there in North Carolina, you figured it out. And it's kind of that's what's impressive to me is like I tell everybody, I was like, you guys don't understand what this guy's doing. Like <laughs> sticking copper to stainless to wrought iron, like all these dissimilar melting at different temperature steels, you or metals, you figured out how to join them together. And it's mm-hmm. kind of fucking impressive because I've shit, I've just tried wrought iron to 1045 and failed sometimes. You like right. that, that shit's tough. And you're doing like that times four or times five or times three or whatever. And it's it was like, a- it was a learning curve. I right. mean, that's the part that's impressive. It's not that right. you're cranking out billets. You're figuring out that's why your shit sells so good because, like, people have tried it and they're like, you know, yeah, I, say, fuck that. I, it's too I hard. say this all the time. There's some stuff just worth paying for. Yeah. If you don't know how to do plumbing work, what do you do? You don't try to figure it out. You just call the freaking plumber and he comes over and fixes your broken pipe or whatever. You know, it's like (laughs) there's some stuff that's just worth paying for. It's like if you don't know how to do it or you have trouble doing it, then you go over to BakerForge.com and buy a billet for 100 bucks. And then you just saved yourself, you know, three or four days literally of trying to figure out where you failed, why you failed, why the why the metal separate when you were grinding. You know, it's just like. You know, you can eliminate all that. And do you guarantee your steel, by the way? I didn't, I never asked oh, you that. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, from time to time, the process, um, you may find an inclusion inside the billet that we couldn't find that we yeah, couldn't see. Right. Um, it happens. It's rare. You ship out another billet, don't you? Fire a new one right out. Yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, there's crap coming out of the middle East, like Pakistan and crap like mm-hmm. that, Turkey, and they'll sell you a bar of Damascus. But as soon as you open that bitch up, it's like Swiss cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. inclusion oh, yeah. crazy. So And good luck getting the, a replacement from them. Oh, yeah. It won't happen. They want won't happen. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So but, give, me a, give me a range on prices of your billets, if you don't mind. So we price the billets by the linear inch. That way, someone mm. who's getting a long billet is, you know, it's more expensive than someone getting a really short one. Gotcha. You know, if you're making a short knife. And so the linear inch price varies uh, between 20 and... Twenty and thirty dollars for most of them per inch. Okay. Interesting. Twenty or thirty dollars. Do you know what that is, Roy? So if you if you twelve inches, you okay. do twenty or thirty dollars times twelve. <laughs> you're you're trying to school me on stuff. I'm not schooling you. You you had this what? serious so, look of confusion when he said that. <laughs> he was just doing the math in his head. I know. He was like, okay, hang Listen, on. Carry the like, one. Divide that. Put the no. yeah, decimal. Move this one. I was it just thinking like of. <laughs> Come on, fucking lay it go on ahead, me, bitch. Lay no, it no, on no. me. It's no, fine, no, it's no, fine. it's fine. Hey, at least, I, at least I know how to read a te- tape measure, bitch. Uh, to what? <laughs> oh, what? At least I know how to read a tape measure. Go ahead. That's all I'm saying. What were you going to ask him? So do you guys, like, uh, just have stock billets that are, like, you? here's your standard size, and then you get an order, and you're like, I chop it up per order, or is it, I know I'm going to have a batch, you know, 
I'm going to have four inches and then I'm going to, I'm just going to make like six inches. I'm going to make a 12 inch. How, how, how does that process go? So this is how we do it now. This won't be how we do it always, but for now, what we do is we will run an entire batch of one steel. Let's say it's a, a Chevron patterned copper mine. Okay. We'll make a whole bunch of it and we will cut it up into a variety of lengths and we will roll it through the roller mill at a variety of thicknesses. Cause you think a chef make a chef knife maker wants it thin. Somebody yep. making a big old buoy wants it fat. So we will make a variety of thicknesses and we'll cut them all into a variety of lengths between about six inches long up to like 18 to 20 inches long. Okay. And then we post all of those as a drop on the website. And, uh, you know, you could, there's a, just a whole list of different sizes for everybody to pick from. And it kind of helps everybody get the size they need. So they're not getting something that eh, sort right. of works but doesn't really work for their purpose. Um, and that's – and we've been just doing a drop model. So we'll make a batch, and then we'll drop it on the website, make a batch. We do that about once a week. Um, we don't take any custom orders unless it's for bulk volume. Now we used to take custom orders, but now okay. with our production environment, it's way too expensive to just sure. make one bar for one person Gotcha. in a time sink. So if you want to order over 250 linear inches, we'll run a batch for just you. And so we've got companies like Microtech, Paragon, those guys are ordering large volume batches for us. And when we do that, we'll normally make extra. And mm -hmm. so we'll give Microtech what they ordered. And then the extra that we made will then turn into a retail drop on our website. So you said that's what you're doing now. Are you wanting to move away from that model and do something different? Well, it depends on how quickly we sell. If, if we, because we, we got to, we're still trying to find that market ceiling because Norm, we're still selling out pretty much of, our drops for the most so part. So layman's terms, Roy, it depends on how much money's coming in. <laughs> That's all that matters. Well, I if would we're love doing to... well. Yeah, we're gonna keep doing this shit. If not, you know, I'd love to get to the point where the website was stocked, and then yeah. we had staged all of our uh, pre-made materials, like our cladding materials and everything, had, was all pre-made and pre-cut and ready to assemble. And mm -hmm. so all that was needed was somebody could go on the website and order a custom bar, just one. And we just slap it together and do one final forge well, and it's done. I would love to get to that point because it would be – it's a lot faster to produce, and people could order custom sizes. Because there's times when somebody needs a size that we don't really make all that often. Maybe they the project, it needs to be freaking three-eighths thick, which yeah. we, don't, we don't really do. Um, so. So, so not being familiar with this sort of stuff, whenever you're describing it, my mind went completely somewhere else. And I was thinking like – if you had if you had a website that like your copper mine, okay, like here it is. Here's an example of a particular pattern with that, and you could go on the website and you could just have like a pull down menu, and it's literally linear inch. I want six inches, and then you guys have billets out in the shop, and you just take a, a cross cut to it, and pow, two inches gone, six inches gone. We would then have to have stock in every single width, like thickness, which we could do. Yes, that's another way to go. We would just. Yeah. Because not only do they pick the length, they want the width, and then they want the thickness. So there's three measurements there. Uh, do, you, do you vary? Do you vary a lot by width? Not really. It normally varies between an inch and three quarter to about two and three quarter. So about yeah. an inch variance. Um, I, just, I just make the widest one, just standard. Here, this is what you get. Corey, are you selling <laughs> every time you guys do a drop? 
Is you is it like literally every time you guys put a drop up, everything just gone? Like for the last year and a half, it has been yes. And until recently, recently we've been making enough volume where every once in a while, some of them don't sell out all the way. Uh Or we'll have some real when we're running a commercial batch for a company. Yeah, a lot of times they're all the same dimension, Uh and so the all the extras are also all the same dimension. And so if we do a drop where they're all really, really close in thickness and yeah. not, there's not a lot of variance there, um, some of the ones won't sell because not enough people need. Oh, know, yeah. So is there, yeah. is there like a bargain bin? Not, uh, people- every once in a while I'll run a, hey, we need to clean house on these three yeah, patterns. Yeah, yeah. That's it's all 15 percent off. Yeah, we'll do that from time to time, too. Yeah. Interesting. So disregard everything that I just said because what you're doing works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. For now, it does. It does. Um, I'd like to make it a little more streamlined down the road and easier for people to get something custom from us, but that's just not going to work for now. So, I've I think, got another. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Roy. No, no, no. This is a. This is. I a think tangent. what I think what you're doing is, uh, you know, scaling up uh, the production part of it, and like I, I think that's. I mean, I've only known you like a little, probably a year or so. I can't remember the first time we met. Anyway, yeah, last spring. Is that what it was? I think so. And I've already seen your shop morph in under a year. <laughs> like I know. Doubled equipment-wise, not just in the equipment you've gotten from me, but you've gotten other equipment. And you've just, like, scaled up, 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 up. Like, you're getting bigger, 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 bigger. Like, you went from the Big Blue to the Bulgarian to the 150 Bradley. Next, mm-hmm. you're going to buy this 350-pound Bulgarian from me. <laughs> Yes, and I then will. you're gonna be like, Chris, I need a 750 because uh-huh. we have like we need to run, you know, so much material. It's crazy. It's super inspiring to me. That's why I say when I get, I mean, I, I I spend very little time at your shop and I go. It's just like I think last time I was there, I was there for like three hours or something, just help you yeah. set up, make sure everything's all sorted and everything. But it's very inspiring to me to go to somebody's place and see they're actually producing things. Yeah. Because I go to a lot of shops that are just set up for show. <laughs> right. And it's like, right. yeah, I'm a blacksmith. Well, there's no, there's nothing on the floor. It's so clean. <laughs> it's so clean. The scale. It's yeah, so clean. Like, so cl- and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of keeping your shit orderly and tidy, but you can tell the people that are not doing anything. Sure. sure. One, they're talking a lot. They have a lot mm. to say. And two, they're like, shop is clean as a bean. And it's like, yeah. Those Which ours is never clean, ever. No, no, it's not. It's a horrendous mess. I don't think uh, it's a mess. I think it works for what you're trying to do. Like I said, you got 10 pounds of shit in a two-pound bag, and you're making yeah. it work somehow. It's crazy. We are going to be expanding. We've been – I think we're going to build our new shop. We're going to – instead of yeah. trying to find one. Okay. I think we're going to build one. So um, just we've get been, a piece of property and then start going yeah. from there. That would be cool. Yeah, and the building I've got designs that I want to go with, um, it'll be it'll have four more forging bays in it for a total nice. of four. Yeah. So, so I'm going to need six more power hammers from you Sweet. in the near future. So I love it. And when it I happen. tell you he's got just that take much the, equipment mm. in this little spot, when I first started talking with Coy, he was asking me for measurements down to like the quarter inch. And I'm like, this fucking guy's a maniac. <laughs> and then I get and then I get to his place and I was like, oh, I see oh, what he's doing. The more I was I talking to him, he's, he's literally taking up every inch of space yeah. trying and to then, be efficient with the, the amount of space he's taking up. Oh, and you got five guys working in there, you know, yeah. 
we the optimization of the process and the workflow is so critical. Otherwise, right. somebody's swinging a hot bar into somebody yes. else, and yes, it's a mess. All right, I got a, I got a real dumb question. Okay, hit me. So I know copper is a lot softer than steel. Right. So mm -hmm. walk me through why that's a good thing to have that in your billet. Why it's a good thing? Well, I mean, why why it's, it's aesthetics. Why it's a, why it's literally. Literally so, aesthetics. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're asking. So does it add anything or subtract anything? No, it doesn't add anything to the billet as far as integrity. It doesn't make it better in any way, really. Yeah. Um, it doesn't what? detract from the strength of the billet either, though. We have tested, had two guys twice run it through the ABS Journeyman Smith test for uh, bending and breaking and chopping and whatnot. Gotcha. Um, and it passed both times. So it does not affect the integrity of the knife. We always make sure there's, of course, a mono core or Damascus core, a solid steel core in the billet mm -hmm. running through the length of the bar. And so what's on the outside is just decorative. You know, mm -hmm. the meat of your knife is your core. Think about it like a, a hot yeah, yeah. dog in a bun, Roy. Mm. That's, exactly, that's exactly what they pretty much compare it to. It's like – like you're splitting the billet, and then your good shit goes in the center, and all the pretty shit goes on the outside. <laughs> it's basically all it is. Well, so I've seen, and, I, and it's probably just from shitty makers or whatever, but I've seen people take, and it's probably not your your steel, um, but that copper, that copper sand my whatever, is right on the cutting edge, if not mm. the cutting edge, or it's like you know an eighth of an inch, sixteenth of an inch off, and I'm just like, I don't. I mean, it looks pretty, but yeah. uh, it's, is, is that any good? I don't fucking know. So obviously you don't want the copper cross in the edge. If it crosses the edge, then you have a, a weak spot, you know? Sure, yeah. If it, it, can get, it can be close. Now, you know, from time to time, we'll get it where it ends up close, and it just comes down to uh, the forging. Uh, you know, you have to make sure you're forging it evenly and not taking deep bites in it. And so it's easy to accidentally push something to where the shim crosses or gets really close to that center line. Sure. Of the core. Um, it can also be done by grinding. If the maker doesn't know how to grind. So that, that's exactly what I thought. Like they just yeah. took too much off and yeah. they're like, I'm trying to get my lines and they just go up into it or yeah. real fucking close. They're yeah, they can like offset. <laughs> the fuck up. Coy, have you, uh, have you ever had anybody make an axe out of the shit? Or like a hammer or like anything larger uh, thickness wise? We have made axes personally out of them, yes. What? And? It, it's great. Okay. It's stellar. Now, oh, you're here. here you're gonna, goes you, this is what I want to hear. You're going to make me spill some beans. All right. Um, Hit it. I have a subsidiary company in the works that okay. is going to be uh, making axes okay. from our material exclusively. Now, nice. it's not like, the, like, like the, tactical kind of shit. It's going to be more on that line. It's not yeah. going to be, you know, uh, eyed axes. Yeah. Um, so to be similar to the stuff that, uh, like Jason Knight's tactical company, I can't remember the name of it right now. Knight's Elements. Knight's Elements. That's right. It's gonna be something along those lines, but with your material. Correct. Holy and, shit, that's gonna be sick. And there, I mean, there's gonna be more to it. I don't want to get it at yeah. all the way just yeah, yet because yeah, we course, haven't launched it. But yep. um, there's gonna be some stuff on these blades that has never been seen before in a tomahawk or an axe of any sort ever. Sick. Um, we are going to be collabing with guys like Jason Knight and doing uh -huh. limited design releases of ones they like they'll design the acts around our material for a specific limited 
run of axes that'll never be made again. I'm a complete jackass, by the way. Shout out to True. Jason because Jason is the I totally forgot. He's the one that introduced us. Yes, he did. I'm a I'm such an asshole. Yeah, Jason called me and told me about you, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and then like two months later, you ended up calling me and introducing yourself or whatever. But yeah, thank you, Jason. Yeah, so because you Jason was trying to buy a hammer from you, I believe that's how. Yeah, that yeah, yep, yep. He's trying Jay- to buy. He's wanted to buy a couple hammers off of me over the years, but just timing's just never right. Right. Um, yeah, he like, called me and said, "Hey, I I know you want another hammer. Yeah, I got this guy that I've been talking to about this awesome sweet Bulgarian hammer. You yeah. should really go buy it." And I said, "Well, who is it?" He said, "Chris Cash." And I was like, "Well, I know who that is." Yeah, because Jason's a big uh, Bulgarian firearms guy. He loves Bulgarian firearms, and that was one of the things that kind of attracted him to that power hammer. He's like, you know the best guns are made by Bulgarians. (laughs) He starts telling me this story, and I'm like, oh, no, I didn't know that. And then, of course, Tetsu being from Bulgaria, he's like, oh, yes, of course, we make the best guns. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. But anyway, uh, another thing we haven't touched on, we touched on your, your employees, the guys you work with. Cole, your brother, the other fellas, I can't remember all their names, I apologize, but you have, and I've told you this when I was there, one of the best videographers that any of our maker community probably has, and it's this, I, I, want, to, I want to say it's a younger kid, how old yeah, is that guy? Uh, so it's Waylon, actually. Yeah, like, Waylon. Hold on a sec. Waylon, how old are you? 24. Yeah, so he's this young guy, and he is shooting stellar video for you and when i went there to drop off the bulgarian the first time he was shooting the video for the youtube channel by the way koi and baker forge have a youtube channel that's severely underrated that everybody needs to go watch because it's killer it's such good stuff on there and you have like really crappy subs you have like two thousand subs or something but you have 108 videos you have a ton of freaking videos up a that's lot of them are shorts, last, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it said last but, time yeah. I looked at. But either way, you have a ton of content on there, and yeah. it is shot by this by Whalen, who is. I told Coy, I was like, "You better keep this kid forever because he is <laughs> killing it. He does all your Instagram content, he yep. does all your YouTube stuff, and he yes. has the eye. He knows. Yeah, he know he has the eye for that shit, and he knows he what he's doing. And, you know what's uh, funny enough? He came over from our paint company. Really? Ah, okay. He was slinging paint for us back in the day. And once, uh, so we ended up actually selling the assets and stopping that business entirely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we, Waylon came over here cause he always had a big interest and he was a, uh, you know, he did photography and stuff on his own personally. Yeah. And he was great at what he did. He was, we loved him in the paint company. He was a great yeah. guy. And so we're like, come on over. And if the, at the time it was just part time because I was still doing the content. Yeah. And so yeah, I was like, you know, tell. come we over and help. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, it was, I don't even no, know it was obvious. <laughs> but when that guy, when I, I asked him way the last time I was there, I was like, because he was there again. And I said, this is what you do all day. He's like, this is what I do all day. He's like, I got the fun job, man. And I'm like, you just literally film everything. It's so mm-hmm. sick. And he does such a great job. Like your guys' beauty shots on your. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Matt, Matt and I were talking about it today. The lighting and shit. He's got that shit down, and I've seen your setup. I know how you're filming it and everything, but he has got the freaking eye for it. You're not doing some big, like, studio. You're literally setting that shit on the break room table and, like, filming it, and it looks badass. It does. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. He's very skilled at what he does, and he has taken over all the content. 
uh, as far as uh, acquiring and editing content. That's that's all him. Like um, the, he, oh, sorry, I'm cutting no, you off. I Go mean, ahead. reels, posts, yeah. photos, uh, customer photos, everything. Is he editing the YouTube videos and everything too? All of it. Yep. Yeah, you can tell it's super good. The kid, he knows what the hell. Shout out to you, Waylon. I told you before, you, you're a badass motherfucker, and you sh- you better keep that kid. No matter where the business goes, you just get him to do all your content. Oh, yeah. Because so that sure. is a huge asset to any business is the things, the things that he is doing. is great. Hands down. Hands yeah. down. And you mentioned our setup being on the break room table. That's actually changed. Um, okay. Okay. We upgraded. I don't, I don't know if you can see behind me, but we rented uh, about two thousand more shops, uh, two thousand square oh, foot did, of office uh, yeah, space. I, I saw that on one of your stories. You you mm-hmm. now is that connected to the building you're currently in? Nope. It's about seven minutes down the road in Boone, okay. North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and so all of our shipping uh, moved up here, and so because nice. originally we had our photo studio, yeah. our break room, my yeah. office, Wayland's office. Packaging, shipping was all in one tiny little room. You saw nice. it, Chris. Yeah. Um, it's so now expanding. spread out. That's crazy. You're getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Another another fucking thing that you're doing, Coy, that's awesome, man. All right. I love well, it. Thank you. I want to make a couple points here. Hit me. First, uh, the blackout photos that you share on your Instagram, Tits McGee, fucking bangers. Thank you. Second, I love that you showcase other people's final work on your yeah, page. Yeah, that's cool. Very really fucking, cool. very cool, very tastefully done, Thank and you. it's like you're giving props to the guys that are that are supporting the business. I think it's oh, fucking yeah. fantastic, and and it's done in such a taste a tasteful way that it seamlessly fits into your feed, where it's not mm. like, hey, here's a here's something that fucking Chris Cash did, and then here's something about, and you could like tell a big difference because Chris is dumb, yeah, but you but like you're all like it fits seamless. So I, if this is Waylon doing it. Seriously, everything that Chris said, I'm just going to freaking ditto that. Let me uh, jump in real quick right there. So, yeah, there's there's actually two people um, when it comes to the media. So there's Waylon who captures and edits everything and mm. whatnot. But I have a social media manager who also manages social media across the platform. Fuck off. Fuck, wow. I've got a social media. You know how many people would kill to have someone like that, you motherfucker? I know. I know. I will but say this, though. The I don't cure- want to see – Baker Forge and Tool turn into the hydraulic press channel because we're smashing no. coffee makers, we're smashing oh. cell phones, we're smashing <laughs> all kinds of shit. I, okay. get, I get that it's good for the algorithm, but like Matt was like, what are they doing? Are they doing like a hydraulic press channel now? They're going to start squishing random shit? <laughs> That's a test. That was a test. We're running a handful of those because okay. we wanted because my the business guy or the uh-huh. social media manager wanted to test this concept. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, we're not turning into the press it channel. Don't get me By wrong, it's stretch. cool, it's fascinating, but I was like, watch, I was like, okay, we're crushing coffee makers. Are we really that bored over there? Are we really getting that bored? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not about being bored, it's about the engagement of the page. Of course, yeah. Of and course. Uh, making sure we're getting no, trust the proper me, amount I get of engagement. It. You guys but. are using all the hot audio, you're using all the hot clips, you're using all the hot edits, the dumb ways to die, which was fantastic, oh. by the way. That video of Cole, I don't know what he was doing, like lighting... Uh, spray paint or something on fire and your brothers i think it's your brothers walking up to him like what are you doing like yeah like (laughs) what are you doing dude like he doesn't even realize he's like you know what's funny that the audio clip we found that audio clip and uh uh, was like i have the perfect clip for that we took that clip months ago like that was not staged yeah 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 he's like i've got the video perfectly for this audio he just went and pulled it (laughs) that's why that guy's so good man that's no. why that guy's so good. 
But right, anything, I, go ahead, I, bro. I do have another question. Yeah. Uh, is your logo your fucking beard? Yes, it was <laughs> back back in the day. It's grown since then, but it was modeled after my beard. And if you look I, at it, if you look at it, uh, oh, you can't really tell this way. If you in, flip it around, uh-huh. which I don't know, it's not easily done. But if you flip it around, it you can easily tell it's not symmetrical. It's way out of proportion. Yeah, yeah, no, you can tell not yeah. flipped around. Okay, yeah. good. It's, yeah, yeah. That was by design. We didn't want it symmetrical because my beard is not symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> we got a social media manager. We got a content creator guy. We got blacksmiths. But we made sure that this beard was not symmetrical. <laughs> That's right. Damn we straight, had, Skippy. We had a company meeting about this. Oh, my God. Anything else you want to shout out before we go? Coy, anything about your business? Anything like that? Anything you want people to be aware of? Some drop you got coming up? New uh, products. You talked a little bit about the tactical line, which is exciting. That's really cool. Um, yeah. When you Uh-oh. when you doing another run of Gator Piss? Uh, we're doing an awful name, by the way. <laughs> it's a great name. It's a, it's Shut a up. great name. You had so many options. But see, it's this right here. You're talking about it. I'm, exactly. You were that's talking true. about it with your other guys, going, "Why they name it that?" No, that's not dumb. me. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't care what you call it. You can call it fucking Koi's dirty beard juice for all I care. <laughs> but other people are like, why'd they name it? Because people know that I'm friends with you. They're like, why'd he name it Gator Piss? I'm like, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. And when I, whenever that came up and he was calling that stuff Gator Piss and uh-huh. we were using, you know, you start using some of his formula aspects uh-huh. and I was like, dude, I've already got the logo in my head. I've got the marketing already planned <laughs> Wait, out in my head. What is the logo, by the way? I know it's like half of a Gator head. What's the other side of it, though? I can't really. Uh, it's bone. It's the bone. Is that skeleton. what it is? Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, okay. I don't. I don't have one to hold up in the screen. Right yeah, now. no, that's yeah. fine. But anyway, do you have like? Is that stuff becoming more available soon? Do you have some drops? It's in stock. Up? It's always in stock. We okay. keep it in stock. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you. I thought last time me and you spoke, you said you did a run, you sold out, and we were just like you were waiting to do another run. The initial run, yeah, we stopped taking pre-orders. Uh-huh. And then we fulfilled all the pre-orders and made a new batch. And then from then on, we kept it in stock. So Gotcha. Yep. And you can order it on BakerForge.com, the steel, yep. um, anything new, anything new. This weekend, we're dropping the Ice Storm pattern again, which was oh, shit. super popular last time. Yeah. So that's alternating 25-layer Damascus and uh, pure nickel shims. That's what I was going to say. Isn't it like really high nickel? And that's what, that's mm-hmm. what gives you the – who's coming up with these names, by the way? I don't know who came up with that one. It's a cut. It's, it's all of us. Okay. Oh, that looks like I. Well, that one was a playoff of Firestorm, which we already did. Ooh, okay. Firestorm and, and Ice Storm. And Ice Storm. We, we just did the exact same layout, except took copper out and put nickel in and called it Ice Storm. And it worked great. Perfect. Because then wild. we could do fire and ice drops. Do Ooh, both. Hell yeah. That's kind of sick. It's kind of like uh, Game of Thrones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Duh. Yeah. Duh. So head on over to BakerForge.com. Go to Baker Forge and Tool on Instagram. Follow that account. They're putting out content literally two or three times a day, so much so that I don't get to see all the posts. And go to his freaking YouTube channel because it is phenomenal. I've watched almost every single video, and every I don't care about any of it, but it is fascinating to watch because I'm not a knife maker. I'm not a Damascus guy, but it's a shop tour video. There's also a video of when I dropped the Bulgarian off. That's really real well done. And I watched the guy shoot it. And I'm like, this is all going to be crap footage. And he made it really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good video. And, um, 
yeah, go check out all things Baker Forge and Tool. We are big fans. Roy, anything from you before we go? I, I, I've got a question, but it just doesn't fit in right here, so I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question. Dude, nothing you say fits in, so go ahead. Yeah, it's What's true. Uh, I was going to ask you a question. Do you okay. know, or, or both of you guys, do you uh-huh. know any other human being named Koi? I don't. I is don't. it short for something, Koi? No. The is only C O Y or is it K O I? Nope. It's <laughs> the the only other koi I've ever heard of. Yeah. Is it whenever um Bo and Luke Duke got shit canned off of Dukes of Hazard, their cousins <laughs> koi, so old. koi so and Vance old. took over. That's oh the only koi God. I know. I've been I think here I'm racking missed- my brain. <laughs> when when we initially started talking about Koi, I, what did I call you, Carl or something? You called him something, something real bad. Fucked up. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. I think the first time we spoke <laughs> on the phone, I was like outside in the middle of doing something, and I'm like, yeah, this guy Carl Baker or some shit called me from Tennessee. No, see, like, you even met you bet you butchered the last name too, which I was think funny. I butchered it was, everything. It was like yeah. Carl Brown or something. Yeah, and then I called you and I apologized. I'm like, I'm an asshole because. When I was working, I didn't hear exactly what you said. And I, either way, it doesn't matter. Coy, thank you. Th- thank you so much for being on the show. Thank we you. Get you. We'll get you back on for like a fun episode to shoot the shit and tell some. Hell yeah. I know you've probably seen some crazy shit in the shop happen that I'd love to hear about because for I know sure. the, the guys that work there and there's probably some crazy shit. And uh, for those of you that don't know his shop, don't go visit him. But he's in a really cool spot in between. uh it's like literally five miles over the border into North Carolina from yep. Tennessee. Up in the mountains. Up in the – literally, when he says it's in the mountains, it is no joke. It yep. is a straight up in the mountains. Yep. But, uh, yeah, thanks again well, can, for being on. And congrats, congratulations on the success of the business, man. It's Thank just, you. It's phenomenal. It's yeah, Thank you so I'm much. Not, I want you to keep growing so you can keep buying cool shit from me and keep it moving. <laughs> and take it straight for to the sure. scrapyard. I want you to the trailer. <laughs> no, to I get excited yard. because this motherfucker is actually putting this shit, shit back to work. He's putting Doing it back it. to work. I've sold the guys that are like, it just sits. And I go yeah. a year from now. And it's sitting in the. It's well, sitting in the no, it's sitting in the. No. Speaking of which, Coy's broke I, that motherfucker 20 times before. Oh, I'll, I'll break it before he gets back home. Seriously. He's like, oh, we got a problem. What? <laughs> I ran the crap out of that thing. How do we have a problem already? But no, it's nothing. We ran, a, we ran a batch of 300 pounds of steel through it today, and it didn't hold up. Ooh, Christ. Yeah. And here I am beating on wooden sticks. <laughs> right? Get your shit together, <laughs> Chris. I know. I think myself because I'm like, I should have known. I should have freaking ran this thing. Like, I should have put like four inch thick material in it because I should have put it through the Baker Forge and Tool test before I. That's right. But uh, <laughs> no problems with that monstrous drill press, though, right? Oh, that thing is amazing no issues whatsoever if you break that i'm never selling you anything ever <laughs> that thing is literally made out of parts from the titanic it There's is no fucking way it is you used to break that but, i love um, showing that to people the thing oh, is just nobody's well, ever it, seen one of those when before, it was sitting so. in a pavilion people would walk past it and then do a double take like that's a fucking drill press because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever seen a drill press that large um uh, one thing i forgot to mention to you is the vice that they were that that was on that originally i forget mm-hmm. to tell you this i never even thought about this until just now for some reason they were using that thing as a mill too so they were Ooh. actually milling slots in the top of a railing 
to like put different elements in because they were like it was a real legit blacksmith shop because that quill is like go look at a bridgeport quill and then look at that quill and it makes a bridgeport quill look like it's a little tiny piece of crap really (laughs) yeah because the the quill on the thing is yes gigantic gigantic Jeez, like um, three or four inches or something. It's, what? Yeah, did, so it's not moving. But that's did what they, they were doing with that vice were they just, that was on there. Were they just chucking a mill, an end mill bit into that chuck? Look, I have some of the. Did it have bits. an XY table on it or anything? Yeah, it did. It had a XY vice on it. That was yeah, a piece okay. of crap, though. It was like, I want to yeah. say it was like a Harbor Freight one or something. Yeah. Ooh, because fancy. the original vice that they had was like damn near mint condition. They never used it. And mm-hmm. it's this massive jawed they, thing. They had a nice vice, and they had a Harbor Freight shit. Box yeah, because on there? they had a they had a nice, it's just a static jaw that didn't move. You know, it just yeah. clamped yeah. straight material. And then they had an XY vice on there. But yeah, they were using that thing as a mill. So the amount of pressure that that puts on something, yeah, no you know, shit, it's just like wild. But, but anyway, it still spins true. So wow. Yeah, yeah, you bend that. You doing some shit? <laughs> you're drilling. You're drilling some nasty shit if you bend that quill. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Again, go visit Baker Forge and Tool on Instagram. Go to BakerForge.com. Order yourself up some kick-ass steel and Gator Piss. Gator Piss is genius, by the way. I just it is. The, name, the name's wild, but you don't have to go to, like, uh, Amazon and order a gallon of coffee-colored ferric when you can get this right. nice, clean, Mountain Dew-looking shit. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's all pre-mixed. It's ready to go. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There you there go. You're... Delivered to your door. That's right. Thanks, guys, so much for having me on the show. I Absolutely. Really Thank it. you, Roy. Thank you. Else? Nope. That wrap this bitch up. On the axe and iron. Podcast!